I am so excited about our conversation with Ben O'Donnell today. He is a visionary CTO who is changing the world. I'm also excited because two weeks ago, when I was in San Francisco, we made the first announcement about LeaderBits, and wow, I'm completely blown away. Over 50 companies have reached out. So pay close attention because in the next 90 seconds, you're going to get a peek inside over 50 companies that have 30 plus engineers. Now this is incredibly valuable research for any technology leader. And this, guys, this is really inside information. So pay attention because it can really help your business. Number one, all over the world, companies are competing against banks for technology talent, which really surprised me. Companies are using LeaderBits as a competitive advantage when hiring. This way, when they're hiring, they can say, well, when you come work here, you'll have a great salary, a great team, and we'll grow you professionally to become more. So what this does is it attracts the people who are intelligent and want to grow versus the people just looking for more money. And if you want the people with a growth mindset on your team, the way to do that is by showing them you have a way for them to grow and become more inside your company. Number two, every one of the companies that I spoke to has no formal leadership pipeline. You have massive untapped potential inside your current technologist. And so here is the key takeaway. As a leader, if you don't believe in your people's ability to grow and become more professionally, they will leave for a company that does believe in them. I know there are a lot of holidays this weekend all over the world, and we forget at the rate of one bit per neuron per second. So here is what you need to do. If you're running, you're on a bike, take a break. If you're working, if you're driving, just make a voice reminder note with your Alexa or your Siri or whatever it may be. And take a moment to go to leaderbits.io and put in your name and email. We'll set up a meeting after the holidays to see if Leaderbits is right for you. And the reason that I am so passionate about this is because it works. Speaking of leaders that believe in their people, today we are talking to Ben O'Donnell, the CTO of BIM Object, and we discuss his journey from architect to CTO, the need for innovation and disruption in the construction industry, and his experience using LeaderBits to grow his people. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Joel, how are you? Man, I am so excited. Here we are. Are you in a hotel room? No, I'm actually in one of our, one of our conference rooms. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, it looks beautiful though. It is. It's awesome. You know, we have uh, one and a half floors in this in this building. We uh, we moved here about. Well, it's almost two years ago, um, and we were we we're actually sharing a, an office with uh, with three other startups, and it was kind of I mean it was cool you know we had really nice exchange and that but we we're always competing for conference rooms and meeting rooms and things like that and it was like it's so nice to have our own place so we have one and a half story or one and a half floors here we have the ninth and half of the eighth floor where I have my team, um, and it's nice yeah it is and it's you know. It's Scandinavian architecture. It's very minimalistic. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's really nice. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, I was in San Francisco last week right? meeting with, with, with a bunch of great people. And have you heard of those bikes? They're called the Pel Peloton or Peloton bikes. I have. Yeah. Have, have you been on one yet? I haven't. No. Okay. They're really cool. 
Right. Like, yeah. So they had them in the hotel. Like I haven't, I, I haven't gotten to the point where I would buy one yet, but <laughs> um, <laughs> it was just cool. Cause I've seen the, their ads and things like that. And I to actually sit on one play with it. It was, it was really cool, but I'm riding right. the Peloton bike and it's like a view of the city. Right. And then pulls up. I, I, I get a little email about you from my system. Right. Cause I have a, some internal triggers. And then I, I look up and I'm like thinking about you, right? Just because I was reading the email. And then uh, uh, up at the stoplight pulls up one of those VW buses. Oh, I was really? Like, yeah. Oh, so, I, so I tried to take a, I, I tried to like fidget my phone out real quick to like, you know, unlock it and get the camera going and everything like that. And uh, wow. to get a picture of it. And I, I missed it because I was going to get a picture of text to you like, Ben, look at this. <laughs> my dream car. Right? It's yeah. awesome. I'm so, so I mean, excited. So how, how was San Francisco? It was good. You know, it's cold there in the summer. I know. Yeah. That's yeah. weird. Isn't that? Yeah, it is. So all of these like scooters and that, it's a, it's a huge thing in San Francisco at the moment, right? Yeah. They even have them parked on the sidewalk and they'll say like, start it for a dollar and you pull out an app and you can actually just start a freestanding random scooter and drive it. Right. And it seems to be a huge business. Um, I, I read Ben Thompson's blog, uh, Statuary. Okay. And it's like he's, he writes a lot about it, you know, about this whole, uh, you know, electrical bikes and the electrical scooters and that in, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And it seems to be like huge. Yeah. Also, something that was big that I hadn't seen before is it's essentially the ride sharing, the Ubers, but they're like these buses or these vehicles that can hold probably 10 to 15 people. I think one was called Chariot. And it's essentially like a step up from a specific specific uber by yourself it's like a mass transit uber have you seen those no i haven't no yeah so that was new for me too that sounds super exciting yeah you your devcon how did devcon go devcon was awesome um you know i i, I love them and I, I think you know we get really good feedback um and it's you know it's, it's something that's necessary for us to do because um we're, we're spread out all over the world. I mean, we're a global company and, you know, especially being European, um, we have development here at HQ, um, you know, mainly front end guys. Um, we have our back end primarily down in Budapest in Hungary and we have all of our AR and VR stuff in Poland. So we're, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity for everyone to get together um, face to face, discuss challenges, you know, visions, missions, and where we're going with the company and all of that sort of stuff. So it was really successful. Um, and yeah, the, the guys love it. And, but you know, it's, th there are challenges and the, the, one of the biggest challenges are the cultural challenges. So, you know, at a very high level, you know, you've got your front end and back end challenges, you know, the developers are like, you know, front end, back end, you know, you know how it is, yeah. um, but with cultural challenges and, you know, especially language, you know, these guys, it's, and, and even here at HQ, you know, English is not their, not their mother tongue. So that also presents a, a whole bunch of challenges, but it's great fun. You know, we, we, we go out and we, you know, we drink some beer and, and talk about different things. And I so, yeah, it was great. But well, yeah, so yeah, it was, it was really cool. Yes, I saw the, the pictures you sent. They were building or playing with something that was like these paper tubes or it was something. What was that? Yeah, so, um, you know, as we're digitizing the, the building industry, so we kind of like to, to, you know, have that in our vision and our, our mission, of course. So we like it, even the guys that are working on, on the platform that we're developing to kind of, you know, go back to the building blocks of what we're doing and what our company is about. So they had a challenge that to build a bridge and there was a, a little marble that they had to roll through it and the actual pipe wasn't allowed to touch the ground and it was all made out of paper. So it was paper and tape that they got to do it with. Um, so that, that was the challenge and it was... It's really interesting. And we mixed every, everyone up. And, you know, I think 
when we spoke last time, I talked about our whole tribe concept. So we just formed uh, five new tribes and it was all the new tribe members. Um, so they, you know, they hadn't worked with each other before. Everyone knows who each other is, but they hadn't worked with each other before. So it was their very first task to do together. And, you know, we were, we were putting little things in all of the time. So they got one task to do. And then, you know, obviously the, 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 the product owner came in and changed things. So he put new things. In. So, you know, and they had to go and reiterate. Um, and I think that happened about three or four times during the period. It was a 40 minute period. And it was like, it was really, really interesting to watch and see how they solved it and how they got together. And again, you know, one of the biggest challenges was the, the language barrier. Well, that's interesting too, because it's like, let's build something physical in a world where everything we build is digital. Exactly. Exactly. And it was, I mean, it was, it was good to see the way that they, you know, that they were thinking together and it was, you know, a little bit of architecture and a little bit of construction and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it was cool. Well, and that's, and they always say the company takes on the personalities of the founders. And I love your story because it is very different and unique rather than developer to CTO. You went architect, like actual, like building architect to CTO. Tell me about that. Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I realized pretty quickly that most architects, when you start at university, you want to become a star architect. So a star architect. And there are people like, you know, Rienzo Piano, um, Frank Lloyd Wright, um, yeah. Frank Geary, all of these guys. Um, and I realized pretty quickly that I was never going to be one of those type of architects. Um, so when you come into an architectural office, you either go to the right hand side or to the left hand side. So the right-hand side being, you know, the guys that are very artistic that do all of the designs on their napkins and they give it to, to us on the left-hand side. So the, you know, the kind of technical guys that, that go and do all of the construction drawings and do all of the documentation. And I found that that whole process um, was extremely cumbersome. So when I was at university, we did everything by hand. So everything was done by hand. And then there was, I wouldn't say it was a digitization of the drawing board, but it was more of a computerization of the drawing board. And that's, that's been one of the biggest challenges for our industry as well, because it, it wasn't a true digitization. So basically what Autodesk did, which is one of the, well, they, I think they are the biggest developer of CAD software in the world. Um, they took the drawing board and they computerized it. And it meant, you know, uh, there were some, you know, benefits of that. You could do changes quickly and, you know, you could reiterate, you know, a lot more quickly, but it was very cumbersome. So they actually came out, I think it was around... Yeah, it was the first version of AutoCAD where they had a programming language called AutoLisp, which is based on Lisp. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, really interested in doing it and started learning it. And that's kind of where, you know, the whole programming kind of thing came into it. After, after that, I, um, I moved to Sweden. So I'm originally from Australia. Um, I moved to Sweden in actually in two days. I've been here for 20 years. So I've, I'm kind of coming to a point in my life that there's only another four years and I've, I've lived in a foreign country longer than I've lived in my own country. So that's, a, that's another story. Um, I moved to Sweden, you know, doing architectural work here as well and was introduced to another BIM system or a CAD system at that time called ArchiCAD, which comes out of Hungary. So that kind of ties back to why we set up operations down there. Um, they have a programming language that's built inside of that system called GDL, so Geometric Description Language. And our whole business is, it's kind of a, it's a hybrid. So you have a three, like 3D geometry and you have the programming language on top of that as well. So that, it adds another layer of complexity. So, you know, if you look at what we do, content for us is not just images and text. It's this 3D object as well, which presents a whole another level of complexity in, in what we do in the platform that we, uh, we develop. Um, yeah. And then I was, you know, I was here, I, I was working as an architect here in Sweden for 15 years. 
consulting and kind of started getting introduced to something called Python, which was, you know, really cool. Then I could start automating a lot more. It was a lot more powerful. And then I started, you know, hearing about this thing that was called web development that I didn't have a lot, a lot of knowledge about um, and saw that Python fitted really well with that. The guy who, who founded BIM Object, he's a really good friend of mine. He gave me my first job after two weeks, you know, moving to Sweden. Um, he said to me, you know, you have to come and work for me. And I was like, ah, you know, in that, at that stage, he was doing a lot of 3D stuff. He had a game development company as well. Um, so he's, he's kind of been all over the place. Um, and he, he was the one that introduced me to, to ArchiCAD and the, this whole, you know, GDL programming language and all that sort of stuff that really got me interested in development. So, you know, web development for me was totally foreign um, when we started up BIMObject. Um, it's been a huge learning curve for me. It's been one of the biggest challenges for me in my life. Um, but I've learned so much over the last seven years. Um, it's, it's been a, an interesting journey. It continues to be an interesting journey and will continue to be an inter interesting journey. Um, there's a lot of challenges, you know, not coming from a, a developer background, um, not having that traditional, you know, computer engineering, computer science type of um, education. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've learned on the job. Um, I was thrown into the flames and I'm loving it. I'm loving every day of it. So for me, this is not a job. Um, this, this is a lifestyle and this is a way of life for me, which is, I think it's pretty, I can pretty much speak for, you know, the whole management team at BIM Object. This is kind of more of a lifestyle for us rather than a job. Well, that's what you want it to be. You want it, I mean, we spend more than a third of our lives working. So you want it to be pleasurable to some degree. And yeah, exactly. right. So at what point where did you decide that like, BIM object, this is the company, this is, this is where I'm going to hang my hat. Like, how did this all come about? Yeah. So, so if we go back to how it all kind of came about, so this is for Stefan Larson, he's the, the founder of, um, of BIM object. And this is kind of, I would say version four or version three. So he's done this before. Um, he started this in the early, so he's this, this is entrepreneur and he's just like, he has all of these crazy ideas. Um, and he tried this back in the early nineties when the internet, when the infrastructure for the internet was nowhere near where it was today. Um, so we actually started creating these 3d objects and we were distributing by distributing them via CDs. So CD ROMs, um, obviously there was a lot of challenges around that, you know, with, uh, with updating and maintenance and, you know, sending out new CDs all the time and, you know, sending to architects who didn't have time to, to, you know, get interested in, in what we were doing. Um, so he kind of digressed. He went and did something else. Um, he became the, the global sales manager, actually, for, for this BIM system I mentioned earlier, uh, Archicad. Um, who's develop it's developed by a, a company called Graphisoft out of, out of Budapest um, in Hungary. Um, he was the global sales manager for, um, for, for Graphisoft for about 10 years. Um, and I think he had over like 200 days of travel every year, which was way too much for him. Um, and he came back, you know, he was, he was meeting a lot of architects and a lot of design professionals in the construction industry. And they're like, where's the building product manufacturers products. We want, you know, these 3d objects. We want, we want to be able to, to procure them. We want to be able to purchase them. We want to be able to see what they look like. We want to put them into the context of our building and we want to be able to reach out to someone and actually be able to buy it. Um, and that's kind of where the idea, you know, came for BIM objects. So honestly, when, when I said, when I met him and he told me about the, the whole BIM object idea, um, five minutes. Five minutes. 
five minutes and I, I'm- Well, it makes you know, so much sense because the only other option you could have is by having these fake 3D objects that you can't buy. And then exactly. now you're just, you have this huge need to source product that looks similar. And for the architects, you know, I've happened to, you know, be a part, my parents did commercial real estate. So right. they have commercial real estate building. So I've had the experience of actually going and in, in being in a room with an architect and watching them, you know, pitch the plan and show them what they're thinking and the sinks and everything like that. And so in, that all adjusts the cost of the building. It does. Based on what sink you use and all the different bathrooms and what, you know, all the different, everything that you could possibly use, the light socket covers. I mean, everything adjusts the cost of the entire building project. And so you have to make decisions on these things and ultimately sell them on, you know, going this way with this specific set of features. So if you can't buy it, it just makes it all more difficult. Exactly. And it's, it's so refreshing to hear. And this is, you know, someone, you know, people like you, younger people like you that are in the, you know, in the tech, you know, in the, the IT industry um, and, you know, with web development, everything, we, the construction industry needs people like you. We, you know, the construction industry is, it, it needs to be turned upside down. I mean, we're in the process of disrupting it. Um, and I think we're doing a pretty good job, but we're, I mean, we're a company, we're a global company. We, we have 200 employees, but I mean, there's, we need a lot more people to get onto this train and to, you know, and, and, and help us. And, you know, when in our last conversation, you know, our why is to, to save the world um, or at least to help save the world. Um, you know, there's just in Europe alone where, you know, we have operations in the US. So we're looking at those figures at the moment, just in Europe alone, there's over two, oh, no, sorry, there's over 800 million tons of waste every year from the construction industry. And that's because there's wrong decisions made early in the process. So, you know, going time back to what you're saying is, you know, with these agnostic objects, objects that you can't go and procure, an architect or a designer, they'll place them into the context of their building. Everyone will say, yep, that's what we want. But when they actually start go, going into procurement, they find, oh, okay, what's that? Where, where do we find that? So number one, either they have to custom build it, which is an absolute waste of time. <laughs> So you see where I'm going with this. So the construction is, is totally upside down. I mean, it, it, it needs young people like you. And that's one of our challenges as well. You know, it's um, people ask what we do. And we say, you know, we're, we're digitizing the building industry. Um, and it's kind of like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Doesn't sound that exciting. But it is. It's really exciting. And there's, you know, there's so that's much. That's a big industry. I mean, it's like the containers for humans. You think containers for code exactly. is cool. <laughs> containers for humans are even more cool. Yeah. It is. And I mean, you know, it's a, it's a $15 trillion business um, yearly. Um, I think it's the biggest, it's the biggest industry globally. Um, and it's the biggest industry that, you know, if you look at it from a digitization perspective, it's, it's even worse than agriculture. Agriculture has come a lot further than what the construction industry has. So I was in San Francisco doing an Uber and right. I do like the, the most affordable Uber, right? Because wow. I'm a hundred trips back and forth. So I get this, you know, $8 Uber and this like brand new Range Rover pulls up, right? And usually they're in the higher class, the more expensive vehicles. So I start talking to the guy, we start sharing, and he does it for fun when he gets bored because he travels from city to city, like uh, from continent to continent, 
and Uber's in many places. And so what he'll do is whatever, wherever he's at, he will, you know, go out and run some Ubers just to make some, meet some interesting people and to hear some stories. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. So his family owns this like massive agriculture technology company. And he's like sits on the board and he goes and does different deals in large cities. And then when he's not doing that, he just will drive some Uber. And he was telling me about the, um, they just did this or like big investment in uh, these weed picking machines that are like solar powered and autonomous. So you put them on the crops and what they do is they, he says it's very hard to automate the picking of the actual berry or the byproduct, the fruit, whatever it may be. But he goes, it's very easy for the weeds. So rather than having groups of people go out and pick the weeds, they've built these little automated pickers to go automatically de-weed the crops. And so they, as the agriculture company that owns the crops and the fields and everything, they started buying and investing in these small technology companies that allows what they're doing to be more efficient. Wow. I was like, that's, that's an, that's an Uber ride. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That sounds awesome. And I mean, it, that's exactly what the construction industry needs as well, Joel. That's exactly what it needs. It needs these type of disruptive companies, disruptive technology. Um, you know, there's a lot of tradition in construction. Um, it's very local as well. Um, you know, and I think even if you look within the, in the U S um, where you are, that, you know, there'll be regulations that are different to, you know, in, in, you know, West Coast US. Be totally uh-huh. different. It's also a challenge within itself. Um, so yeah, it's a, you know, there's a lot of interesting opportunities, so business opportunity in the construction industry for, you know, for IIT people as well. Um, and it, it really needs to be disrupted on a huge scale. Well, one of my, you'll be happy to hear this. I have a childhood friend named Chris and I saw him go, I think it was in Tennessee and he Joined a startup, it was like two or three people, and it was called Built. And they, ah, he was very excited. Have you heard of them? Oh, yes. Yeah, so they were very excited, and it was like one of his first, I think his like first big product jobs. I think he had done some small product stuff, but he's the, um, I'm looking on LinkedIn, he, he's like the head of product there. And okay. so it was just like him and, him and a couple other people. And then I saw them, they grew, then they grew a little bit. And over the course of two years, like, I think they're at like 40 people and they just raised like $21 million, but they do, they they do a platform that streamlines construction lending. It's like Ben tech for the construction lending, but apparently this process was very cumbersome and they have since streamlined the paperwork and the platform and the whole application uh, process. But yeah, it it was really cool to see the growth of that happen for them and, you were right. It's just even the most basic stuff. Like you would imagine that there's a platform that stream streamlines the loan process. I mean, from a product standpoint, it's such a simple product. It is. Yeah. It's like you need money for to loan and you need an easier way to loan the money. You could build an MVP on that in like a week or two and, and just streamline construction lending, but it takes the right people coming together at the right times in order for it to really take off. So I was very, very happy to see that. So there, we're making some progress. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's really cool to hear. I'm going to, I'll reach out to him. If you can send me his contact details, that'll be really cool. Yeah. What are you excited about most right now with BIM Object? I, I'm, I'm excited about our platform, um, where we're going with our platform, what we will be able to solve for the construction industry on a global level with our platform. It's really, really exciting. Um, 
at the same time, that's what keeps me awake. <laughs> I, want, I would like some clarity though, because I've been talking about you a little bit to some different friends and they've asked some great questions. And so the first question wow. I have is I, I know you make the objects, but yes. do you make some sort of other system? Do you build some tools that make it easier to make the objects? Like, is it more than just the objects? That is a great question. And actually the, the answer is it's, it's, it's multiple level. level. Um, yes, we do. So we have a tool that creates the, the objects. We have uh, an online as a web configurator. We call it Mosquito. Um, and Ooh. you might, yeah. So it was actually, it was, a, it was a project name that kind of stuck. Everyone liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't intended to be called Mosquito, but it, yeah, it's, like I say, it stuck. So it's an online web configurator um, where you can create content very simply and very easily. So our primary customer are building product manufacturers. We also created a tool out of necessity. Um, we, we got in a huge content contract with uh, the largest sanitary wear manufacturer in the world. Um, they're actually out of Barcelona in Spain. They're called Rocker. They own a lot of brands in the US as well. And I think American, American Shanks or Armatique Shanks, I can't remember anyway. Yeah, they, they have a lot of brands in the US. They have 60,000 products that need to be digitized. <laughs> Get some coffee out, man. <laughs> exactly. So, so Stefan and I, so Stefan, the, the, the founder, um, we went to our developers. So, and again, this is kind of a, a very specialized type of developer. So they have, you know, a lot of experience with, with CAD software, with the 3D stuff. Um, you know, it's really, it's, it's very low level C, C++ type of programming. Um, and and it, it, you, need, you need almost to be a mathematician to be able to do it and have a lot of experience with 3D geometry. We went back and challenged them and said, look, you know, we, we have this contract. We need something. We need to automate or semi-automate this process. And they just laughed at us. They said, it's impossible. We can't do it. So, I mean, we're all about externalizing as much as possible. So, you know, I mentioned that this, this system called Archicad. It, it's a BIM system. So BIM is an acronym for building information modeling. So it's, oh. it's not that anymore. So it's all of this, you know, data-rich geometry within the context of that BIM system. So an architect will draw walls and windows and they'll, they'll draw or they'll model a, a building within context. Now there's many different BIM systems out on the market. There's, you know, Revit, which is developed by Autodesk. Um, there's, there's Archicad, there's SketchUp, which is kind of not a BIM system, but it's very popular amongst, you know, early design fees for, for primary architects. Uh, and there's a lot of other BIM systems as well. And, you know, for a building product manufacturer, it's really time consuming and costly for them to go and contract all of these different people to create content for all of these different systems. So obviously, they want to you know, provide content for as many platforms as possible, which is, you know, totally makes sense. So what we try to do at BIM Object, and again, you know, we're, we're succeeding very nicely with it, is that we're externalizing everything. So you're not reliant on these individual systems. So you don't have to go to a content creator for Archicad or Revit or for this other system, system C, D, and E. We actually created a, a scripting language. And these, the, the script, which is, it's actually, it's based on C. But we've we've really kind of you know we've simplified it a lot. We, we looked at a couple of different things to do. I mean, it was you know, kind of we ne really need to scale the content creation. We need to get it done as quickly as possible. Obviously, sixty thousand products to digitize. It's going to take a long time to do. So we we first of all had a look at taking a developer, so a you know a C plus plus developer, and trying to teach them how to three D model, and then they can go and put all of their scripting on it. And that part of it, you know, that part of the process, they can get get done really quickly. 
And once that's done, you know, once they've put their script on it with the 3D geometry, they send it up to our platform and the rest is done automatically. But we found, you know, it was, it was quite a, you know, a funny journey. And we found that to take a, you know, a C++ program and try to teach them um, 3D modeling was almost impossible. It was really, really difficult. So what we did is that we looked at, you know, 3D artists. So, you know, people that are using systems like our 3D Studio Max. AR and all of these type, you know, that film and game studios use and taught them how to do, you know, basic scripting in, in our BIM script language. So the language is called BIM script. Uh, and we found that that was quite successful. So that's what we've done is that we've created BIM script. As of today, it's an add-on for a 3D system called Rhinoceros 3D. And then we've, we've actually ported it over to Fusion 360, which is a it's half web, half desktop app. It's also developed by Autodesk. Um, we're about to develop for some other systems. Unfortunately, I can't go down. You know, we're a publicly traded company, so I can't go into details. Yeah, so, so basically what, what the people do in, in Rhinoceros, they, they bring in their 3D geometry or they can create it from scratch. Um, they put the script on it. It's sent up to our platform. And it creates the content for all of these differences. So we have our black box technology on our platform and we keep adding black boxes and that's where we can really scale the content creation part of it. And there's actually been a lot of nice um, kind of side effects of that. And that's, you know, something that's, that's really taken off over the last few years is, is AR and VR. Um, so, you know, AR and VR, you need 3D geometry. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what we've, you know, we have a lot of really smart, customers so our, our building product manufacturers were coming back to us and say look you guys you have the bim models right and that's 3d geometry yeah we do so we're looking at you know doing something with vr and ar can we reconsume that content and we're like yeah you can actually and it's and that's you know what's really the, the beauty about our whole bim script technology is that it's future proof so as soon as we add another black box it's a simple click of the button and they support that specific file format. So that means that they'll, you know, any AR device that consumes that type of content will be able to, to consume it. Any type of VR headset um, or device or platform can consume that content from within that context. Oh, that's amazing too. I, you have to have like a HoloLens Explorer. So I can, you can like show off your different objects to your customers. Be like, of course you can here. And like when, when they see it through that headset, they're like, whoa. Exactly, exactly, yeah. which we do. I mean, so we have, we, we've done a couple of our prototypes um, and a couple of proof of concepts where you can actually place kitchen sinks if you want, or you can place a faucet or you can place a, a toilet. So it's, it's, it's amazing. Cool. Yeah. So Sweden is like this new tech hub. It's like the Sweden Valley or something. <laughs> like it really is the amount of outreach. First of all, it's one of our most popular audiences for the show. Wow, that is what got us first on the radar. Like, or I'm sorry, that is what got uh, Sweden on my radar is right. the analytics from the show. I'm like, okay, you know, we've got Florida or, you know, we've got um, the United States. Of course, you get the New Yorks and the Californias and the Seattle. And I was like, all right, well, then we've got, we've got some Greece. We've got some Sweden. We've got some Brazil. Um, and, and we got a lot of India. And so I was, I was like, well, that's really interesting because um, I have some friends that are from Sweden here locally. Um, and so then, then you reach out and then some of the nicest, uh, sweetest people in the world, like we're reaching out and they have, and every time I clicked on, I'm like, sweet. I'm like, what is going on there? <laughs> they're all technologists and they're, they all seem to be like really happy and very nice. I want to know more. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. Um, and I think, one of the main 
reasons. Um, there's a lot of technology companies coming out. So it's always been like that. Um, half of the year it's dark. So there's nothing else to do. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. it's, it's yeah, like I mean, Alaska or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because it's so, you're so far North. So where we are, where, where our HQ is, we're in the very Southern part of Sweden. So it's just across the sound from, uh, from Copenhagen. It's not as bad down here. So right in the middle of winter, I think we, we get about six or seven hours of, of daylight. And then it's just, it's pitch black. But if you go further north, it's, it's black 24 hours a day. At the same time, in the summertime where, where we are now, it's 24 hours of daylight. Um, so yeah, you have this contrast. But so coming back to your question, yeah, it's, it's I mean, education in Sweden is free um, all the way up to university. It's totally what? free for everyone. It's totally democratized, um, which is fantastic. So there's a, a lot of intelligent people here. Um, and there is no reason for you not to go to university and study. Um, and as you know, with globalization, the world has become a lot smaller. Um, you know, everything's much more accessible. There's always been a really, um, a really rich, uh, game industry here in Sweden. I knew that. Yeah. I was aware of that because I used to, uh, about 20 years ago, I was, oh man, I'm getting old. <laughs> about 20 years ago, I was, I was like playing Xbox a lot. And, um, I re I specifically remember I was getting a lot of people from Sweden there yeah. yeah but even from creating games as well so from game creators um oh, yeah so there's uh ubisoft they own a company here in, in our town so this is one of our challenges for, for looking for developers because we're competing for the same profile um it's a company called massive entertainment um they just recently won a i think it's a 10-year contract for the avatar franchise so they have oh no way yeah so they you know they're looking at the moment for for 200 developers so you know from 3d artists or the way to, to C++ developers um, for their own gaming engine. Um, another really interesting company that was started up here, um, I think it was around 10 years ago. It's a company called Dice. Uh, and they did the, Battlef the Battlefield franchise. Um, oh, and man, they were, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And they, they were later acquired by EA. Um, so they're part of EA now. Um, and the, yeah, the guy who did the Frost engine, he's, he's a Swede. Um, Skype is so Nicholas Sundstrom. He was the guy that that, that started Skype. Yeah. Uh, Spotify is from Sweden. Spotify. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a Swedish company. What about um, who Stripe? Where were they? I think they were from the Netherlands. Is that near or close? Yeah, I mean the Netherlands is like it's it's literally a, a stone throws a stone throw away. Um, I think it is from the from the Netherlands. Yes. I know his brothers. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Cool. Yeah, and I, re I remember when I first saw it, I came across it. Before that, all there was was authorized.net, and that was horrible. And <laughs> when I saw Stripe come up, I was like, it was just a single basic page, developers, you know, for developers, but payments for developers. And then I was like, oh, this is awesome. So I integrated it, had a beautiful like Ruby gem and an awesome API. And awesome. then I just watched them grow like year over year. I'm like, oh, their site's better. Oh, their site's bigger. Oh, they're doing more. Those, those, news article stripe hits a billion dollars i'm like oh there you go no, i mean crazy. they built something we loved right i know it's crazy yeah so you know what's interesting is uh, i took a little peek at the entries for your leader bits people they're using it man yeah i know i know it's exciting yeah i mean i love it you know this whole the whole leader bits thing, it like really got me intrigued when you, when you reached out to me and said that you had, you know, you wanted, you wanted to talk about it and that, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds interesting. But when you presented it to me and the way that you presented it and it's like, 
what intrigued me the most about it, which really hits home with, you know, with, with my developers is that it's actually done by a developer. It's so right. You know, you're talking the same talk, you're walking the same walk and it's like, it totally hits home with them. Yeah. That's what I wanted because all the, the leadership stuff is so salesy and cheesy. I wanted something that it's like, look, here are the skills, you know, the biggest thing I, the biggest piece of feedback I got from my book that I put out was that you just said exactly what happened. There wasn't fluff. It was just direct. And then I was able to take something from it. So, you know, you were one of the first people to, to join and we announced it on the Microsoft episode, I think, which aired last week. And we've had like 25 companies oh, that have awesome. reached out from, uh, you know, individuals. So we've got like individual engineers at large corporations like HP and they're like, you know, how do I climb up? Like I heard about it on the podcast. I want to grow and there's no way for us to grow here at HP. And then all the way to like ARM, they make these microchips inside of like cell phones. They have like 8,000 people and they're, they're in Cambridge. And so then I heard from ARM and it was like, it was just unbelievable that all these companies are reaching out. So now I'm like, well, it's just me. I'm, you know, setting up some meetings. So I'm, like last night, I'm here at the office till like 11 o'clock and like bring my wife and everything because I'm filming leader bits in the studio and then you know writing some code and then I'm waking up and doing meetings during the day. And it's just like, it's that very uh, rewarding, like just constantly moving aspect. The challenges are the most effective. Have we talked about that yet? Uh, no, we haven't. Okay. So we, I put out the, the initial set of leader bits and I watched how people responded to them. And then I noticed that one of them happened to have like a challenge at the end. It was like a very specific interaction, like do these four steps. And then I saw the engagement on that one be tremendous. So what I did was I went and tested and I made, I reworked some of the previous ones to be challenges just by changing them slightly. And when I, when they're presented as challenges, the engagement like triples. Yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So rather than them just being cool thoughts about leadership, it's a cool thought about leadership with a specific challenge. Yeah. And then they go and they gain experience. Like we had one where it was identifying sort of the energy on the team as the as it ebbs and flows and the momentum. And then it's so great because, you know, I before the call, I went in and peeked at one of the uh one of the reflect DB entries for one of your people. And they were talking, they were identifying it. They're like, yeah, this happened at this point in time. And, and this is what changed. And this is how we went from the low to the high. And I'm like, the fact that your people are, are learning to think like that and, and become aware of these things and then have tools to actually adjust the momentum in the team is like through what, through a three minute video, like, come on. I mean, it's so perfect. And I mean, you know, this, this whole, like, um, you know, with the leadership part of it. So, I've actually been guilty of taking a fantastic developer and turning him into a really bad leader. And that was totally my fault. And this is, you know, that's, that's what's really intriguing about the whole leader bits platform is that I want to avoid that because it's not fair. It wasn't fair on him. It's not fair on the company. Um, and it's not fair on me either. You know, it's not fair on anyone. So that's, you know, it takes that whole subject. So, you know, for me, and this is, you know, it's part of my learning curve, you know, being the CTO of BIM Object. For me, it's kind of been more like, you know, that guy's really successful. And I have a gut feeling that, you know, he wants to climb. So, you know, career is very subjective. What is a career? Careers are very different for people. Um, you know, a career for, for, for someone could be sitting, you know, hacking code all day, you know, day in, day out. That's, that's their career. That's what they want to do. But other people, you know, like you say, they may want to climb. Um, and for me, it's kind of been like, 
you know, going on my gut feeling, does this, you know, it seems as though he wants to be a leader. So I'll go and say, okay, this is all yours. Not asking him, you know, not empowering him um, or anything like that. Just saying, you know, this is yours, go and do it. And, you know, it was, didn't work. And that's, you know, that's what intrigues me about this whole platform is that that whole subjectiveness will disappear. I will be on, on, on you know, based on facts, be able to go and say, actually, and, you know, like we, we had our, our first conversation about leaderbits is that it could very well be someone that I had no idea was, was, you know, would be a leader that doesn't seem to be a leader at face value. But when you go in and read and, you know, what they're doing with all of the challenges and, you know, in, in, in reflect DB, it's like, wow, this could be someone totally that I had no idea wanted to be a leader or had that capability. If you, if you saw me 10 years ago, you know, you would, you would say, wow, I'm very quiet. Like, you, I was, I was a leader, but I was just so, I was so inward and quiet that, you know, the only people who really knew I was leader were the people like I was directly leading. And then before that, you would just say, oh, he's just a quiet, quiet engineer. Yeah. And it's just like, well, I'm leading myself right now. It's like, hello. <laughs> it's okay. like, I have to learn to lead myself first and, and then I can lead others. And so that's why when I was, you know, I probably did a you know hundred leader bit videos to figure out like exactly how to do it right, because I wanted to be able to hit both the current leaders and have relevance to them as well as the upcoming leaders. And so the recurring concept in there is any of these challenges you can apply to yourself. Like notice your own momentum, right? And and what gets you on fire, and then craft that. If you if you can't deploy this concept to the team, deploy it first to yourself and do what you can in the state that you're in and then you'll grow and, and be able to do more. But yeah. I'm, I'm so excited that it's, it's uh, useful. And, and so thank you so much for being one of the first companies to, to walk down this path, man. It's, it's amazing. What advice would you give to your previous self? Like 10 years ago, there's, there's some constraints for the creativity here. It's gotta be 10 years ago. Okay. Elon Musk time machine, right? So, <laughs> so, so you get to go back in time. You get to give yourself one piece of advice from 10 years ago. What would that be? I knew you'd ask this question. Um, I would have to say, well, if, if we could go back a little bit further, um, I'd say never become an architect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 you know, and it's, it's, it's easy to be, you know, when I've, I've come this far, you know, it's so, it sounds so cliche, but if I knew what I knew now back then, things would be very different. Well, it wouldn't be as fun. Oh, it wouldn't be as fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Good point. I didn't think of it that way, but yeah, no, but yeah, I think it would be, it definitely would be, don't become an architect. Don't become an architect. No, don't become an architect. Go straight to BIM object with all the experience of an architect. <laughs> exactly. Now that helped though, somewhat, right? The architect. Ex uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you learned what you didn't want to do. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right? I did. It just that it took me almost 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> when are you going to be uh, in the States next? Um, I'm stateside quite often. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully I'm on vacation. Um, uh, <laughs> hopefully it's a vacation visit. Well-deserved yeah. well vacation. Um, but hopefully, maybe, yeah, at the absolute latest in November, we have a huge event in Las Vegas. Um, so it'll definitely be, um, no later than November. 
Oh, nice. What what is that's like the big conference for the auto CAD stuff. I don't exactly, know if I'm saying that yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's called Autodesk University. So it's Autodesk. primarily for people to gather. So they have like uh, fifteen thousand attendees over three days, um, and it's primarily for people to go and learn. That's brilliant. Yeah, it is. It's it's really good. So we're gonna have a um. Yeah, we'll have a big presence there. Uh, we did last as well. It was really successful for us. Um, so yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to it. That's exciting. So you're actually a publicly traded company. We like, are. Yes. We can go, I can go buy shares of them object right now. You can. Yeah, absolutely. What? How yeah. do you do that? Um, we're actually, we're on uh, the NASDAQ. So it's not the, the New York NASDAQ it's here in Stockholm. Um, and it's kind of a, it's a bit of a, uh, a sub NASDAQ it's called first North. So it could be a little bit difficult for you to find it from, uh, from the States. Um, but we just, um, we've just started, um, the work on to change to a different list. So we'll be, we're moving up to mid cap. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. So that, that work's already started, but it's probably not going to happen until either the end of two of 2019 or the start of 2020. Um, and that means it'll be, it'll be much more easier for, for international investors to invest in BIM objects. Well, that's exciting. It is. Yeah. It's super exciting. It's super and how long has this whole process been going on? Like when did you first become publicly traded? We became publicly traded here in Sweden on the 17th of January, 2014. Wow. Yeah. And it was, it was really successful. It's been, um, you know, our journey has been, and it, uh, you know, it goes back to, to our CEO, um, his vision for the company and the way that he, um, he runs the company. I mean, you, you know, it's, it's, it's not just one person, but I mean, you know, with, without him, we wouldn't be where we are today. That's for sure. And yeah. Well, that's, and with you, we got to give some credit to you as a leader, yes. right? Yeah, Come absolutely. on. Your team is doing awesome. The pictures you sent me, like you, you can talk, people can talk about teams. You can talk about all you want. You, you could have strategy meetings, but when you see those pictures, you're like, that's a good team. That is. Those, yeah. Those, and you can achieve so much more as a team than individuals. What are you most excited about tomorrow when you wake up for BIM Object? I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, tell me. Then that's like the best type, right? That's the best yeah, type. I wish I could. Um, yeah. It's okay. We'll yeah. we'll leave it at that. That's fantastic. I love it. It's like if I if I told you I'd have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to go to that, to that yeah. extreme. Yeah, kind no, of. So, I went there. We went there. Yeah, <laughs> it's the extreme underground industry of them objects. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, I like it. I like it. This has been fantastic. So what what else can, what can I do for you? Is there anything else I can do for you? Oh, there's lots. There's Where lots. do we start? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm just so excited. This went so well. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. Um, I need to get my butt into gear and really kind of get more engaged with leader bits. Um, yeah. So j just one question. Um, I, yeah. I, I can't find where I can see the entries into reflect DB from my team. Okay. I'll send you a link. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. It might've gotten left out of the navigation or, or something. If, if it's not, if it's not obvious, then it's my, it's a huge problem for me. Right. Like I need to make it obvious. And I can see who's like the, the, the guys that have done entries. Um, yeah. I, I can't see the entries. I can manage the team. You just can't see the specific entries. No, exactly. Okay. I will get, a, I will get you a link today to manage the specific, to see them, to make sure yep. that it's there. Yep. Yep. I built the, that's how I was able to see it. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I, I might have just I might have just left it out of the navigation or uh, your your profile type. It, it must have been like a super admin thing or something. But yeah. I will uh, I will make sure it's there and and send you the link today. But yeah, you can see I can see your people actually like responding. Oh, that's awesome! I'm really interesting to see interested in seeing what they've written. And then just so you know, I'm setting it up uh, as well this week in my tickets. Right now, I'm at that a company in. Florida actually approached me uh, called Florida Founders and they invest in technology companies in Florida and they heard about what we were doing and then heard about on the show and things like that. And I said, yeah, it'd be really great because right now I'm writing the code, I'm recording, I'm doing like everything. And yeah. with the amount of leads that we've had come in in the past week, I need someone sitting there writing some code for us so we can be improving the platform further. Um, rather than me just chunking my day into these three-hour blocks and doing everything, so we're working on that over the next you know week here. So um, yeah, but and I will get you that. I'll get you that link, and um, and then it's going to be in the sense that the on the to-do list for this week is to have it actually send you the emails of who's doing what, so that the the whole core of the system is designed for you never have to log in and so i need to write the that those email notifications of sending you the information so you just sit back and say oh you know mike is in, mike is doing some leader bit stuff look how active mike is and look what he thinks so that you don't have to be in it yeah. so i'm going to continue to improve the system every day and i, uh, I have to say Joe, i i really admire and almost a little bit jealous of of your energy and you know your capability to like to keep everything together how do you I mean, you know, how do you like avoid from burning yourself out? I I burn myself out and then I figure out where that edge is and then I extend it a little bit farther. And because of this one right here. Yeah. Oh, she's so sweet. Yeah. So like I'll, I'll get down or it doesn't happen often, you know, pushing in the growth of limits. But about a year ago, I stopped all concept of outside media. Like, so I don't consume any sort of TV or anything. My routine involves me. I wake up, I spend some time with my family. I exercise and eat. Yeah. And then I instantly begin writing before anything happens. So I, I write leader bits every single day. And then from there, I'll go into the office. I'll do the show or respond to anything that's happening with the show. And then I will lunch, go home, eat some dinner, some family time, come back to the office and work for, you know, another couple hours and then go home, fall asleep and then, and then repeat. Right. Um, I'm able to get everything in done in that, but the, the whole concept of, and I, and I also, it's very important for me to mention that I absolutely love it. Yeah. Yeah. Of like, course. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, can tell. Yeah. I very much enjoy it. Whenever I was working on projects that I didn't enjoy, um, I, my productivity was 10% of where I'm at today. Yeah. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, it's the same here. No, I, I really admire what you're doing. And, you know, with with the, the podcast, I mean, I love it. Um, I've been a fan since day one. I still can't remember how I how I found you. I think it may have been on Facebook or something. I may have liked Probably. something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's awesome. I'm so happy for you. And it's, you know, it's a massive congratulations. You, you, you do a lot. Obviously, there's a lot of work and you have great people around you. But it's like, I admire your tenacity, like, and, you know, your, your drive. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's cool getting to meet people like you every day. Like, this is very rewarding, right? And if there, oh, if there's any CTOs that you want to know, like a CTO of Autodesk or whatever it is, you let me know, and I'll have them on the show, and then I'll introduce them to you. 
Awesome. That would be fantastic. Yeah. yeah so, so any, anyone that'll help your business or wh whoever you want to network with, or you just think is cool, like just cause you happen to think they're cool. Um, let me know who you want. And then because we've had such big guests, we can get anybody to talk to us and then I can just introduce them to you. Yeah, that, that would be totally awesome. Um, Autodesk has a, they have a couple of different CTOs. Um, so one of them is for, for their forge platform, which is a, like a, I don't know how to, it's, it's like, a, you know, they, they're, they're shifting from a, you know, from a desktop perpetual desktop system developer, software developer to full yeah web platform. Um, and it's really exciting. Um, we're actually a, a big, de, you know, we're a big customer of theirs as well as a, a developer. Um, so that's really exciting. So yeah, Jeff Kowalski, he's their main CTO. He's, um, he's a really interesting guy. Um, and I think it will be, it's kind of interesting because, a lot of the CTOs, now correct me if I'm wrong, but the majority of the CTOs that, that you've interviewed thus far are pretty much web and app development, right? Ye no? What developers to CTO yeah. is, is yeah, tends to be the most. Yeah. 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 No, for, I mean, you know, these guys don't have a lot of like kind of web developments, more like the, you know, kind of the... C plus plus low level type of stuff that you know. Yeah, we've had a lot of embedded systems people on. Um, that's right. Yeah, you, yeah, the guy doing the rockets. That's right. Yeah, one thing you just brought up to me. I don't think we've ever had a game developer on. Oh, you have. Yeah, you have to have a game. Got to have a game developer on. For sure. And then we we'll get the and so you know Jeff, right? Um, no, I, I I can't say that I know him. I know. Oh, okay. Him. So I will have Jeff on and then I'll be like, oh, you got to talk to Ben. He's the most amazing guy in the world. <laughs> cool. I mean, I've said hello to him, but I mean, he, he wouldn't know who I am. Yeah. Well, he will soon. We'll get him on the show. Yeah, that would be awesome. And he's the, C he's the main CTO or the Forge CTO? No, he's the main CTO. So there's another CTO who's responsible for Forge. So nice. he's the main CTO. He's, um, I think he's, um, he's based in San Francisco. Oh, cool. Yeah. Any other any other cool CTOs? Because if you give me like two or three, then I can definitely get one of them. I I can't always guarantee that people want to want to talk. <laughs> no, maybe I mean uh, you know like it was I was really interesting you know that you got the the CTO from Microsoft, but these guys like they're allowed to to you know appear on podcasts and stuff like that. There's no problem oh, yeah. from their company. We've had we've had Microsoft, yep. VMware, um, yep. and Alexa. Alexa, yeah, uh, William Sonoma, that hasn't aired yet, though. You know, they're like a kitchen company. Right. Ooh, they're buying AR companies like crazy. Ooh, a kitchen company. Okay, have you heard of William Sonoma? No. Okay, um, what's their other brand? They own like, they're a, a, these large companies, they own multiple brands. Um, Pottery yeah, exactly. Barn, have you heard of Pottery Barn? Um, I, yeah, the name rings a bell. Okay, so they're like uh, kitchen and indoor living and furniture and they own a lot of brands in that space decor right. they would be like a higher end version of ikea yep you know, like furniture kitchen stuff but they um very smart cto and right. they saw the need for these oh it's, it's right up your alley they saw the need to keep digitizing these concepts so they bought this like hundred person ar vr company that rather than they were spending so much money with them rather than just continuing to be their client, they bought them and, uh, but they're letting them operate independently. But yeah, I spoke to him last week and he's in San Francisco and, and he was a guest on the show, but yeah, they're, um, they're a real cool company. They're like a multi-billion dollar company. 
Um, but yeah, they're, I think their parent one is called William Sonoma. Okay. Um, Okay. This is actually really interesting. And this is, you know, with our platform. So we, you know, we didn't really kind of get into that earlier, but we have a content management system as well. So you can upload existing content. So when I say content, I mean the 3d objects. Um, but that's, I'd, I'd really like to, you know, if you could introduce me to him, that would be really good because I think there's a lot of yeah. business opportunity for both of us because for them, even though they've gone and acquired this external bureau and they're, they're internal now, they're still creating something that's totally disconnected from their main business. So what I mean is, is that, you know, they're, they're, they're creating 3d content. They're putting it into the context of a, of an AR or a VR app, but if they need to add any new, any new products, they have to go back and, you know, kind of put those products in and recompile and then redistribute. And that's what we totally eliminate with our content platform. So, I mean, we have API and everything. So they can, you know, they can still build within their own environment, whether it's with Unity or the Unreal Engine. Um, but they can just use, they can consume content that they already have with us from our platform. And they don't have to go back and, you know, all right, now we have to go and put this piece of content in and then we have to recompile and redistribute. That's all done automatically. That's brilliant. So he's a, this guy is, is very similar to you, intelligent, visionary. I will connect you both on the email that you guys are working on amazing things and that you should get together and talk about what you're working on. Uh, Cause you got, you both have great behind the scenes stuff happening. And then I'll just leave it real simple and high level like that. And then you can go from there. Fantastic. Thank you so much. That would be really awesome. Cool. I am off to get a haircut. And then- okay. thank you so much. And thanks yeah. for having me. It uh, was, uh, was, um, yeah, it was really cool. Thank you. Oh, it was the best ever, Ben. I'll talk to you soon, man. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you very much, Joel. Take right, care. See you, ben. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Modern CTO podcast. Share this, get the word out. Thank you guys so much. I couldn't do it without you. I appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best.